Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. The global sell-off in stocks, which started here in Asia yesterday, continued to Europe and then to the US. It's made its way back to Asia. Shares in Tokyo are down more than 1% this morning as investors there return from a long weekend. Sydney is down as well, though not as much. Markets in mainland China and South Korea are closed for a holiday today. Joining me now to take a look at what is driving markets, I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Morning, Michelle. Now, investors on four continents sold off shares yesterday. Wall Street set for its worst performance of the year until a late session rally helped stem the bleeding. Still, the Nasdaq closed down more than 2%. The Dow and S&P 500 were not far behind. A host of reasons prompted the sell-off, but top of the list is the story of the indebted Chinese property giant Evergrande. Now, we talked about this on the show yesterday. Evergrande has 300 billion US dollars in liabilities. It has about 80 million US dollars in interest payments that are due this week. And there are concerns that it may default, possibly triggering contagion effects in other markets. Now, Ryan, for the longest time, investors have viewed Evergrande as just too big to fail. There uh, appeared to be an implicit backing from Beijing, which directed the state banks to loan to Evergrande and really not worry about those repayment risks. However, that era may be over. Bankers from Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, elsewhere, they're concerned that Beijing has so far said nothing to reassure lenders and investors. Tell us more. Yeah, so that's the thing, right? You hear so many reports about Evergrande, but not a lot coming through from the official channels, from the government officials, from the regulators around what they think about the situation. So to some market watchers, it is quite disconcerting, right? You have such a big problem on your hands, but you are not communicating with the markets. And that's the thing. It's quite important to set expectations on where things are going or to at least manage them to not have any rumours or speculation that might make things worse. So that's what's happening here uh, where you have jitters really spiralling out of control in some cases. And if you look at how some market watchers are viewing how this might happen, some of them are trying to perhaps price in the risk that maybe China might be miscalculating how bad or how this could pan out. So there's been some comparison to how this um, Evergrande situation could be like Lehman Brothers. Some people have tried to draw some parallels. It might sound the same, but in terms of the contingent effect, it is a bit more limited because of the way the property market is structured. So it might just be more contained in China for now. Uh, But it's very tough to really know for sure until things happen. So that's where we are right now. You've got a few jitters around Beijing, not really talking to the markets and appearing to just work behind the scenes, right? for for now at least, to nudge banks in the right direction, to kind of support Evergrande to help tide over this uh, tough situation. Of course, the deadline is Thursday when they will Mm. be watched to see if they will default on their bond payments Mm -hmm. and how banks will react in turn. Evergrande shares fell as much as 19% yesterday, briefly taking its market value to the lowest on record. It rallied a bit before closing down 10%. Now, fears about contagion from an Evergrande default hit shares in Hong Kong fast and hard yesterday. The Hang Seng Index dropped more than 3%, its biggest loss since late July. Property counters in Hong Kong dropped to their lowest levels in five years. Mm. But it's not just the Evergrande story that is spooking investors there. Ryan, what else drove investors to 
sell off Hong Kong property counters. Yeah, so you do have a actually a long-running issue in Hong Kong where affordable housing is really out of reach for an increasing number of people. And that situation is what's being blamed for the unrest we've seen in recent years. China is not happy with how the situation, situation is panning out. And one of the drivers behind this issue is how Hong Kong tycoons, the property tycoons, control some, so much of the property space there. They, in effect, set prices. And that is squeezing out some of the middle class in terms of um, being able to afford property. And if you are not able to you know, get a roof over your head, among other things, you are more likely to protest or just be unhappy with how things are. And China is trying to address that issue and it seems to be clamping down on Hong Kong tycoons to do their part right now, giving back to society in a way. For example, selling back some of the prime land they own to build cheaper housing or just take part in more public-private projects. So that sort of thing is the potential next target that markets seem to be watching out for. A little-known Chinese developer listed in Hong Kong called Cynic Clinics has been, Cynic Holdings, excuse me, has been forced to halt trading in its shares. Ryan, get this, Cynic shares plunge 87% yesterday. That's how worried people are about China's well, soft influence on those uh, property tycoons. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at the Hang Seng property index, mm-hmm. it dropped 6.6% to its lowest levels in nearly five years, like you pointed out. So that is going to be one to watch this week to see how much further it might go. And China remedying um, the Gini coefficient of social inequality by getting tough with property developers. Now, if we turn to the US markets now, fears that an Evergrande default could spill over into other markets certainly weighed on investors, but it is not the only default that investors are worried about. What else is on their minds, Ryan? Oh, so this is a movie that seems to come back every now and then. <laughs> this is around the debt ceiling in the US. Um, in short, it's a very political issue where you have two sides trying to set the, well, in effect, the country's credit limit, how much they can spend in every term. So now the next bill is coming due and they have a deadline to pass it by October the 1st. And the problem is you've got two parties in Congress, effectively, and they need 60 votes to pass it. So right now it's split across the middle, 50-50. So it's going to be a tough one to get 60. And if they don't, the problem is it might mean a third partial government shutdown in the past decade. So that is one to watch out for. And of course, we've seen that happening and having some issues when it comes to supporting um, government support services um, being funded. So the gridlock is now potentially going to happen again. And that is going to just cause more problems for Joe Biden to solve. Absolutely. Adding to the litany of wars, there are also concerns that U.S. President Joe Biden's $3.5 trillion spending package may not pass the U.S. Congress with a split Senate and the narrowest of margins in the U.S. House of Representatives. I mean, Democrats have a very fine line to walk between the party's progressive and more moderate wings. So how did this all play out in markets overnight, Ryan? Yeah, that's the thing, right? Lawmakers vote according to what's in their interest. And sometimes they vote according to what you offer them. And in this case, sometimes they tie their 
votes to other bills or other things that they might vote in future. So one of the things could be the infrastructure bill, which um, apparently Joe Biden is not having a good time getting passed right now. His target was $3.5 billion in terms of infrastructure spending. So that now is seen to be trimmed down a bit more to around one plus or 1.5. So that is the latest that might see some of the expectations that we might get a huge boost, boost infrastructure spending, just not that huge. Mm. And if you look at the stock markets, some of the stocks that have been pricing in a huge boost in spending includes the likes of construction companies like Dicom. Uh, that is down nearly 11% since the end of August. You've got another one, Floor, which is an engineering construction company. That is big on government contracts, also down by around 11%. Um, some of the alternative energy names also under pressure. So all that was earlier um, seen to be pricing in a big boost in infrastructure spending. That doesn't seem to be happening to such an extent. And I think you're seeing some of the um, trades being unwound right now. Stocks are not the only asset coming under bearish pressure. In fact, commodities are facing a sell-off as well, led by a rout in iron ore prices. So iron ore's value has dropped more than 50% since hitting a record in May. Okay, Ryan, what's the thinking behind this? Why are commodities being hit? Well, this is a tough one, but it seems to be a confluence of many factors. So I'll put China Evergrande right at the top. Uh, because the property space in China really consumes a lot of industrial commodities, for example, iron ore. Mm. Uh, that is one of the big factors for steel construction. Um, another problem is the expectations that we might see slower growth. And that is seeing crude oil prices taking a bit of a tumble. Um, for example, we've seen oil prices overnight down by over 1%. So that is, of course, with China in the one of the largest um, consumers of petroleum. And if you look at other commodities, copper also used by property developers down more than 3%. And if you look at some of the mining stocks, that has been one of the big laggards on Monday, mm -hmm. um, weighing down on the Australian markets. In fact, on Monday, Australia was down by around 2% as the mining energy stocks got hammered. And that had its worst session in nearly seven months, down 2%. So that is seeing um, Australian markets continue to fall today as well. So you are seeing the commodities picture suffering. Um, you've seen the growth outlook suffering. So that is transpiring to the commodity story suffering um, for now. There is one more piece of the puzzle contributing to anxiety overhanging the markets that we haven't touched on yet, but this is a familiar one, listener. Concerns that the US Federal Reserve will tighten monetary policy, starting with mm. a tapering of bond purchases. So the Fed meets tonight and tomorrow, so stay tuned for more news on that front, all right? Ryan, let's turn to COVID-19. There are several developments on this front, starting with news from Pfizer, which says that its COVID-19 vaccine is safe for children between 5 and 11. What's the latest here? Yeah, so this is all part of a study involving 2,200 children. So they did their work and according to them at least, kids aged 5 to 11 can take a smaller dose of Pfizer and BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine. So this is great news for parents who have been quite jittery around you know, when they can actually get a vaccine for their kids. So what's next is they will submit the data to the FDA and other health regulators to get official approval. So this will be one to watch until it gets government approval. Um, 
you can't get a kids version vaccine yet. Shares of Pfizer avoided last night's sell-off, in fact, rallying close up 0.7%. Now, the Biden administration, meanwhile, is set to ease up on COVID-related travel restrictions. It's playing up this change in rules as a stronger policy. But the bottom line is that visitors from more countries will now be admitted. So what are these new rules? Yeah, so good news for travelers trying to get to the US and this includes those from the UK and Europe. So Mm. effectively, if you are vaccinated and you are able to show a negative COVID test within three days of departure, you can get into the US. So that has been actually lifting the um, airlines space when it comes to the stocks. Um, You've got American Airlines up by 3%, shares of Delta and United both gaining more than 1%. So pricing in the prospects of more travel. Investors bid up airline counters on the news. IAGSA, the parent of British Airways, jumped 11%. Air France, KLM and Deutsche Lufthansa both rose more than 5%. Now here in Singapore, new changes in travel rules could be afoot as well. The government says the green travel lanes with Germany and Brunei are working, so it could be ready to expand quarantine-free access to more countries. What is the latest on the home front? Yeah, the VTLs have been in effect for nearly two weeks and so far the results have been promising. Uh, Mr. S. Iswaran, S. Iswaran excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, says he is actively looking to expand the VTL and if you go by the first 900 or so travellers who have come through under the VTL, only one COVID-19 case has been detected. So that is pretty encouraging mm-hmm. and Reassuring. soon enough we could maybe see more countries being opened up to this VTL arrangement. That's the hope. In other local news, Capitaland Investment debuted on the Singapore Exchange yesterday as Capitaland privatized its development arm and has spun off its real estate management business. So Ryan, the new stock didn't go so well though, did it? I think it was pretty much in line with the wider market. So maybe um, some headwinds there. Mm -hmm. But if you look at what it's saying about the prospects, future prospects, it is quite optimistic about what's happening in China. Despite all the negative headlines we've been seeing about China Evergrande and the crackdown, it is optimistic because it sees the potential for foreign property developers to benefit once the playing field is leveled, so to speak. So with the crackdowns, you could see some bargains, for example, or some of the opportunities emerge in the uh, real estate sector in China. So that is one situation they are watching out for very closely. Mm -hmm. But it does see more measures coming soon, at least in the next few months or even up until at least the end of next year. So it could still be a long time before they make any big moves into China, but they do feel that there is going to be uh, some benefits. Mm, so Capitaland seeing the shake-up of China's property sector as one that presents it with opportunities. One more local story before we check in on market action. Singapore is preparing to sell bonds for the first time in order to finance new infrastructure projects. Today, the Monetary Authority of Singapore will announce how much it intends to raise. So Ryan, some analysts say Evergrande's worries could help Singapore as investors look for safe investments. What do you think? Yeah, that could be the case because there is a very short supply of really high quality bonds in the markets right now. And if you look at AAA-rated government bonds, Singapore is just one of them, um, there is a strong demand for it. So 
the current expectations is for the what's coming up to be announced later, the 30-year SGS. Um, right now, it's yielding around 1.89%. And it's worth noting, this is going to be the first born under the Singa Act, or rather the Significant Infrastructure Government Loan Act. So that is drawing quite a bit of talk and interest right now um, because it does command quite a decent coupon rate. And if you look at the recent 20-year bond auction, it was taken up quite successfully. The bid to cover was around 2.24, so there was quite a strong demand there. And I think it reflects the appetite for um, fixed income investors as well, that they want something high quality and with a decent uh, coupon return. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 22 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index fell nearly 1% yesterday to 30.41. Ryan, how is the STI doing this morning? Is it following Wall Street and other bourses lower? Okay, we have markets closing down 1% yesterday and pretty much with the Regional markets closed across many places, Japan, China, South Korea, and Taiwan. Not a lot of trading or leads to follow. So all in, it was negative following the jitters across the world. And if you look at what we have right now in the opening minutes, it is just barely above break even by 0.1%, 3,043. And a quick snapshot of the STI, just slightly more green than red right now. And right at the top, we've got SETS and SIA in the green. And at the bottom, we've got Johnny Matheson and Capital Land Invest. And we were talking about Capital Land Investment uh, earlier. It's down 0.7% right now at 293. And all three banks are also in the red, uh, led by DBS down 0.3% at 29 69. So that is the picture we have right now on Tuesday. Thank you very much, Ryan. And by the way, you have a little one. So when we talk about little ones being uh, inoculated, she is she five yet? She is almost five, so they will need something for the age group. Okay, so she could be uh, benefiting from Pfizer's research pretty soon. Thanks very much, Ryan Huang there. This is Market View. Global recovery seems to be stuttering. We'll keep an eye on the global sell-off of stocks for you. And coming up in the 10 o'clock hour, uh, we, we talked a little bit about Capital Land Invest. Will what we've seen encourage more real estate managers to list? All that coming your way at 10.05. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.